from American Awakening, this is Signs of Life. Hello, hello, America. Good to see y'all. It's great to be here with the American Awakening squad doing our Signs of Life live stream and podcast, bringing you the best of church six days a week um, so that we can bring you just a little bit of light and life in your days. If nobody tells you in this day other than us that God loves you through this challenging time, that God's got a purpose for you and you have meaning and you have significance, if nobody else tells you that today, we're going to be the folks to tell you and remind you that every single day. We've got a special show today. Um, we have Dan Hazeltine frequently from Nashville bringing us the best of Nashville music. And today we have a special guest, Hannah Holbrook, uh, who we're very excited to have with us. But before we get there, uh, we're going to kick in with our little house worship band, uh, Josh Jacob. What do you have for us, Josh, to get us a little prayerful and a little worshipful? I want comfort, both in life and death is it. I am not my own. I was bothered. Josh, we are here for you. We show up every day, put a run a show together, and come on air because we are here to serve you out there, stuck at home, uh, trapped inside. We're praying for you. We've spent a lot of time uh, in prayer ahead of our show just thinking about who might be watching and how we could lift up your burdens. 
one viewer commented yesterday, and I just want to give a special shout out to that person, uh, talking about the fact that um, she was stuck at home, nobody to be with, that she's alone, and uh, just talking about the, 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 the pain of being cut off and the challenge of the day. We really feel you. We're there with you. We're grateful for the chance to say uh, a word of, of um, affirmation to you, that God's with you. God has not forgotten you. God has got you. And, and our team, um, when we gather today on our 10 o'clock regular prayer call, we prayed for you, and we're praying for all of you out there. Thank you so much for being with us. We're going to kick it over to our uh, two special contributors every day, uh, Pastor Joel Searby down in Florida, who's got a word for us to chew on, a daily dose. What do you have for us, Joel? All right. Thanks, John. And yeah, it's so great to see you guys giving us your feedback. And we want to invite you to continue to do that. Let us know how we can pray for you, how we can support you. We're here for you. You know, a lot of times in life, there's things that we want really badly. And they can be material things for sure. Like, you know, recently, maybe you really wanted some toilet paper or some tacos from your favorite place that you couldn't get, or it could be things like a new house. Uh, but a lot of times those are also emotional places that we want to get to a direction in life or uh, some kind of career goal. And we're taught in, especially in America, that if we focus and work hard and train our sights on that thing and pursue it, we will get it. But sometimes we can concentrate so much on the thing that we want so badly that it begins to warp and twist our souls. And that's what I've discovered, and I think a lot of us probably can resonate with that. So I want to talk about that for just a minute, because problems can begin to emerge when we begin to make something that is a good thing into an ultimate thing. This is kind of referred to in biblical language in the Bible as an idol, something that turns from a good thing that might be good for our lives into something that takes the place that only God is meant to take. And what happens is we begin to put our desire and our hope for life and satisfaction and joy and fulfillment into that thing. And what it can sound like is, when I finally get blank, then life will be what it needs to be. And especially right now, a lot of us are saying, when this is finally over, then I'll get back to life. When I can get a new job because I've lost mine, then everything will be okay. When my spouse and I quit fighting, well, then everything will be okay. When we have just a little bit more money, then it'll be okay. But what this does, it leaves us bound up and feeling like tied up into knots because we find that even when we fixate on it and actually can achieve some sometimes, it doesn't satisfy us. You know, I know this because I'm an expert at this. I've made idols out of outcomes, and then I find that I'm disappointed. Psalm 115 says it this way in the Bible, and it's talking about physical, actual idols, you know, gods that people worshiped, but think about the thing maybe that you fixated on too much as you hear these words. Their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak, eyes, but they cannot see, ears, but they cannot hear, noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel, feet, but they cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. There's this idea that these things that will never satisfy us are utterly futile. And so my encouragement today is, if we will let go of those things as our ultimate, lay them down and say, God, I'm going to let go of those for right now because I know that in you, I've got everything I need. I promise you that is the place where you will find peace. I have actually experienced when I release some idol that I'm really running hard after and I've just fixated so much on it, I've experienced like a physical relieving of tension and stress. And so that's my hope for you today. That's my prayer. As we journey to discover what it means to love God and love each other, 
I think that if we will trust God for the things that we want, the desires of our heart, then we will find that he oftentimes in a much healthier way gives us those things. Or sometimes we'll look back like that cheesy old Garth Brooks song and say, thank you, God, for not answering my prayers, for not giving me the idol that I made, because that would not have led me to a place of life. So my prayer for you today is you can let go, let God love you, and find peace in that. And that's your daily dose. Back to you, John. Let go, so let good. God love you. You know, I, have, I always have a hard time right-sizing that Old Testament or even New Testament language around idols and sort of saying, oh, yeah, what that means is what this other thing I'm pursuing myself and giving myself to every day, uh, which is not the real thing, not the real deal. Um, so thanks for the reminder, Joel. And now we go to Maui. Jeff Bethke, what do you got for us, brother? Yeah, Joel, I love that. And I feel like right now in the season for everyone, this is totally a season of idol uh, revealing. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, you know. by the way, this is not even what I was going to talk about today, but that word apocalypse, a lot of people are kind of saying the end and this is crazy and it's apocalyptic. That word literally just means a revealing, right? I think we think it always means end or the last final thing left behind Nikolai Carpathia vibes. It doesn't mean that. It just means revealing. It means pulling back. And I think this is a true apocalyptic moment in the true definition of the word. It's a revealing. It's an unveiling of what we truly care about, who we truly love, who we don't truly love, what has our affections and what doesn't. Um, what I want to talk about actually does segue to Joel, what you were talking about. And one of the primary idols that I think um, this season is poking and prodding in us to, to go introspective on is the idol of work, right? That That work identity, what I talked about yesterday, let's take this even one step farther, can sometimes be the thing that has our utmost affection. That's the best way, by the way, to know, to kind of be a smoke signal or a smoke screen on what actually is an idol in your life. What has your most, what draws your affections? What does your heart point towards? What do you think about when you daydream? What does your checkbook look like it actually references the most? That tends to be where your heart lies. Uh, and so, and that's where we can kind of start kind of uh, getting down this path. Now, an antidote to work identity is something I want to talk about for a second. I think sometimes one really easy way to smoke signal ourselves to know if we have a work-based identity is do you work to get to rest or do you rest first and that fuels your work? Those are two different things, right? I think a lot of us, we work, 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 work in hopes that there's this finish line out there, that maybe we can finally rest, maybe we can finally have this delight, maybe we can finally have this finish line we want, when a lot of times that sets us up for the rat race and kind of puts us on that hamster wheel When the opposite is really beautiful and a lot better, that God didn't create us to work to rest, he created us to work from rest. And that's a big difference. And we see this sequence really uniquely in Genesis. A lot of people don't talk about this, and that's why this is the something to chew on part, because I don't hear this talked about a lot. But it's the sequence of where the day of rest comes from. So if you know Genesis, or even if you don't, you know, you got the seven days, the last day is the Sabbath day, the day of rest, the day of God flooding the earth with with his blessing and goodness. But we call that day seven because that's day seven to God's perspective. The sequence, according to God, is six days of working, creating, crafting, cultivating. Day seven is the day of rest and filling and beauty and delight. But when you think about it from man's perspective, it's literally the exact opposite. Adam and Eve were created on day six, the final act of creation. They were the crowning act of creation as the image bearers of God. And by the way, they were given a huge job to do. Let's not actually let that point go unnoticed. They were told, okay, you are the crowning act of creation. Go create, go cultivate, go make order out of chaos, go make beauty out of what is disordered, which that's all of our jobs, right? Bring beauty and order into the places where there is not. That was the job they were given. Huge job, enormous job. And yet the very first full cycle when they opened their eyes after giving that mandate was what? A day of rest and delight. It wasn't a day to go do that job. So they were given the job 
but they first, to do the job properly, had to rest. The first day that Adam opened his eyes would have been the Sabbath day, the day of delighting in God. And so they were actually called to work from the rest, to then after that properly be fueled as image bearers to go do what they were called to do. You can't do what you're called to do in a healthy, sustainable way unless you are working from a place of filling and a place of rest and a place of soul care. And so that's the encouragement today and something to chew on. And uh, back to you guys. Excellent word, Jeff. It's a little hard to proportion mm-hmm. that for most of us right now mm-hmm. uh, in this time because it feels like we're we're just resting all the time or not really. Totally. But, I mean, it's stopping or something. I don't know. What, what, what is it we're doing? We're, we, don't, we don't even stop. We don't rest. But you're talking about, about a, sort of a profound idea of proportioning the investment we make in our, you know, our souls and who we are, and and as you as you say so regularly to us, our identity, uh, that's really encouraging. And with the idea of pairing that with your revealing word, so thank you, revealing. Yeah. Well, one thing I would add too, John, because I actually totally think that your comment was totally appropriate, and we have to keep in mind the cultural moment. Yeah. But I think this this theme does get drawn out not just in the week. But then as a metaphor for all of life, right? You see the Shemitah and you see some of these other kind of things in the in the Torah in regards to God telling them to take a whole year off, right? Or, or And sometimes if you read the end of Second Chronicles, it's a forced year. Mm. I love the end of Second Chronicles where it says they were not allowed to return from exile until the land was given its actual rest. And I think that might be a season we're mm. being forced into right now where the land is being, we're being forced into a weird exile collectively for the land and our hearts and our souls to be given mm. the forced rest because we weren't choosing to do it on our own. But the blessing with that is that will propel us into really good work when this goes back to normal because we'd be, we'll be working from that place if we let it be so. That is a <laughs> big it, idea. And I, I know that's going to change my um, view on the day I'm in, you know, thinking about it in those in those um, all time terms, you know, that the fact that it's been the cycle has been repeating itself for for thousands and thousands of years. That's a great a great poll for us, Jeff. Thanks so much. So uh, we get to come to you every day, as you know. Um, we're so excited about that. You can see us uh, here live stream on Facebook Live, twelve thirty every day. Also, uh, we are now live on practically all uh, the the podcast channels out there. Um, uh, Apple's being a little slow for us. We'll, we'll be up with them there in a couple of days. But otherwise, we're in Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Google Play, and you can go to our website and you can get a link to our podcast there as well. Uh, now we're going to move to a feature we call Wow. So that's happening. Um, and tell you a couple of stories about what's happening today. And then we're going to get into today's discussion topic. Uh, Calvin, what do you have for us? All right. Wow, so that's happening. Couple stories, like John said, of signs of life amidst the crazy of Corona. First off, we got a bunch of big companies that are shifting uh, out of their previous industries and starting to rethink of what they can do to help in this time. Um, GM General Motors has reopened previously closed plants in Michigan is working with United Auto Workers to call in paid volunteers from its hourly workforce to make millions of face masks. GM will start making the mask this Monday, and by Wednesday, April 8th, the first 20,000 face masks will begin to roll out and get them to the people who need them. In the fashion world, uh, we have powerhouse designers like Dior, Armani, and Burberry, again, all repurposing factories abroad to make masks, disposable overalls, and non-surgical gowns. Um, Here in the States, we have Brooks Brothers, who announced on Instagram on Monday that they'll pivot on um, their factories in New York, North Carolina, and Massachusetts to 
Instead of making ties, shirts, and suits, they're going to start producing masks and gowns. So that's a couple stories of some bigger companies that are shifting um, kind of what they can do, how they can help in a, in a time like this. Marissa, you got a story for us about Samaritan's Purse? I do. Uh, again, I missed all the repurposing and people setting up and doing some kind of new-new because of the moment. Samaritan's Purse, which is a disaster relief organization, they've erected a 68-bed emergency field hospital right in the middle of Central Park. 72 doctors, nurses, and other healthcare workers uh, from the organization basically built it from the ground up, and they've equipped it with 10 ventilators. They've partnered with Mount Sinai, and they're prioritizing moving the overflow patients from Brooklyn and Queens Mount Sinai branches so they can resume their respiratory care treatment. Go Samaritan's Purse. I love it. Hospitals everywhere, wherever you can put them. Calvin, back to you for our last story. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you, Samaritan's Purse. And on our last story, we got researchers now saying that corona is changing the way that the world does science. So while the nations are locking down their borders and holding up, scientists have actually been shattering theirs, creating a global collaboration unlike any in history. So apparently... There have never been so many experts um, in so many different countries, all simultaneously focused on a single topic and with such urgency. Dr. Ryan Carroll, a Harvard medical professor, he actually said that the pandemic is eroding the secrecy that pervades academic medical research. Another doctor, Dr. Francesco Perone, he said that the ability of work collaboratively, setting aside your personal academic progress is occurring right now because it's a matter of survival. He's actually out leading a coronavirus clinical trial in Italy right now. But he says that this should be a lesson for the future. John, I feel like that pivots very well into our discussion topic of the day, which I believe you will be introing. I will first say that uh, circumstances far different than than anything anybody expected. The method of science uh, changed into the future. Who knows? With that, Marissa, what do you have for us to talk about? Yeah, again, it it does. It flows perfectly from those. Again, we've heard in those stories, we're seeing in our own lives right now, everything is changing. Change is happening all around us, and it's challenging us to rise up and forcing us to change as well. And so, you know, this notion of uh, shifting, adapting, doing whole new things that you haven't done before, or stepping back from the things you've always done, it's hard and it's scary, and the fear of the unknown often can paralyze us. But we, as human beings, we are resilient. We always come back. We, we, there's more to do, and so we're not going to shrink back from the moment. So the question that we're talking about today, quite honestly, is getting a little personal. And it's probably also, uh, it's one of the stories behind our great work that we do together. When in our own lives have we been forced to adapt? Uh, and we've either been fearful of it, we've been unsure, we don't know where we're supposed to go or where it's going to lead. But we did it anyway. And what did we learn from it? I know all of you guys, we've all got some great stories. I'd love to hear what you guys have for that. Who's jumping in the deep end first? <laughs> Looks like Pastor Joel to me. I got called out. <laughs> um, you know, I I think it, it, I've done some pretty hard things in my life, things that uh, cost me a lot of sacrifice. But one of the things that I had to adapt to the most was when I went on, basically went on the road for about three months uh, and had to totally adapt the way I related with my family and my friends. And it cost me a lot of friendships, but I also gained a lot of new friendships. And there's something about when 
you're forced into like the fire of change as opposed to like, oh, I had to do a little something a little different, a small change. But there's when you're forced into the fire of change, it burns up front. And and when I had to be away from my family, then there was some big time sacrifices. And I can't even imagine like the guys that are deployed and these doctors and nurses right now. But there's also you adapt, you know, you don't give up, you fight and you figure it out. And it, it's painful during it. But, um, you know, so being away from my family, that was a change that I was uh, kind of I jumped into. And uh, it changed everything about how I live my daily life because I was on the road all the time. But I was able to find some some real joy in it. And also on the backside of that change, I've, I've found some really awesome new fruit, too. What did it change in you, Joel? What, what, what's the thing you're teasing out there about? What do you think was the was the thing that you required additional resilience or adaptation? Yeah, I mean, for one, when all the environments that you're used to are taken away, you know, your daily routines and everything, you really have to figure out, like, what is my life with God and what is my daily life look like? What are the things that are non-negotiable for me, whether I'm in a hotel room, in a restaurant, you know, in a bus, in a plane, I'm going to do those things every day. And uh, that, that's something that really deepened in me during that time of challenge, because I had to just hold tight. You know, it was like I, was, I didn't have my family, I didn't have my friends, I had to hold tight, and that really changed me. I'm going to go a little a little big picture here, Marissa, if I could for a second, is the idea that um, you know I've I I don't know if, if I'm the only type of person that thinks this way, but um, may, maybe I'm uniquely odd, but um, maybe other people do think about this. I, I always thought my entire life, how would I have reacted in X or Y or Z circumstance, um, you know, in some sort of unbelievably challenging um, you know moment in history, um, you know, in the trenches of of World War One, um, you know, on a European battlefield. I mean, you know, with just grim day in, day out, or the heart of the Great Depression, um, or you know, being imprisoned like Bonhoeffer or or Martin Luther King were for for their convictions, or you know, on and on. And um, uh, you know, I, I've always thought to myself, I, I don't think I do very well because I'm kind of soft. Um, I'd like to think that I, I'm not soft, but uh, maybe I maybe I am. Anyway, the point that I'm raising here for for everyone is is not so much um, you know uh, it's not certainly not about me, but just you know to know um, that we're in a moment that does test you know us all, and the fact that it's like really hard to be stuck at home and alone uh, in that feeling. So anyway, it's a sort of a big picture musing. I don't know if it helps anybody out there. That's good. Jeff, I'd love to hear from you. I know we, we don't have you for the whole time today, so would love yeah, to Yeah, I might have you. to sneak out at the end, you guys, uh, depending, but I'm bummed though too because I want to hear the music. I'll go listen to the podcast myself later today. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this. I think the one that I thought of was similar to Joel in a different context, but just family. I think becoming a dad, uh, getting married, becoming a dad seemed to be like the biggest stretches, you know, uh, I've made in my life of just like, man, I don't feel like they, they just, they call you into a level of yourself that you almost don't believe or you don't think you're prepared for. But there's something about that testing that does resolve you and create some serious resilience in you as long as you're kind of faithful every single day. What I've learned too is it's not helpful to always look at the big the big future that might scare you. It's really helpful to just be faithful every single day with the things that matter. And that's what I've learned in those things. I'm like, okay, yeah, I might this might be scary to be a dad, might be scary to get married, but if I just today do my best to love the kids, love Alyssa, do the small acts of kindness, et cetera, it kind of compounds and builds like interest. One quick picture that's really helpful for me that I've kind of, uh, I think I heard from somewhere, is there's like, is it called concentric circles, I think, where it's kind of like a, a dartboard, a bullseye? So the center one is kind of like our comfort zone. Then the second layer outside of that is the learning zone. 
And then right outside of the learning zone, there's like a band. So it's a very small circle. It almost touches the learning zone. And that's called the magic zone. And then outside of that one is another big one called the panic zone. And basically what this guy talks about is our adaptability and our ability to become really great and to change and to be resilient is in that magic zone. So it's where you're out of your comfort zone and it's out of even the farther stretch of just learning things, but it is below just the, no, you can't do it. And that is too difficult and panic and anxiety and stress. And if you can kind of find that magic zone, that's what really stretches us and grows us even beyond what we can believe. And so I think that's really helpful to kind of put a framework on it and kind of use those words and language. And I know it's been helpful for me. I love that. That's really great. I'm just going to chime in here and I'm going to say, again, to all of you, our new friends and viewers who are watching us, you're you're watching a group of people. We're, we're spread out all across the country, but we're working together on a big project called American Awakening. And we've been working on it for 18 months. Uh, we've been together, John, Calvin, and I, from the very beginning of that. And we've welcomed everybody else uh, different steps along the way. But again, our, our work uh, in this campaign for the soul of America, really declaring out uh, to everybody that, again, we have purpose and destiny, and we're not meant to be separate and divided from one another. And again, we all remember right before Corona hit, uh, you know, politics were dividing us like, you know, worse than a lot of us have ever seen. Um, And so when the virus hit, we, like everybody else, had to decide, okay, are we going to sort of step back? We've been planning all these projects that are now sort of on hold for a little bit. Other people, we kind of can't get them to work on our schedules. What are we going to do now? Um, And we had to make a, a decision. And it really felt like as we prayed and thought about it, that this word that we'd been given for this moment about, you know, fear not, that God's with you, that there's more for you, uh, that there's a future and a hope for you, and that together we can be stronger than we ever could be apart. It seemed like this was the moment uh, now to sort of lean in while all of you are there and all of us are with you and all of our options have sort of been taken away. And now we we need each other more than ever. Um, And so I really found a beautiful lesson in us leaning in here um, because I'm not quite sure where this is going. None of us know what tomorrow brings, but I know that from the few of you who have uh, chimed in, who've reached out to us, who are sharing our video and watching the live stream and listening to the the podcast, that uh, it's for this very moment. And uh, again, as John uh, wished all of you who were praying for well, we just know that, that we're with you, that we've been praying for you long before Corona hit, um, and that we believe that in this moment, God can still do amazing things. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this lesson of, of, uh, of leaning in Amen. and adapting and where it's brought us. I just want to say one thing which ties some of the themes together, um, and Marissa's wonderful last word. The, the one thing that, that is true about all resilient stories um, and about um, facing the moment is that it is always one minute at a time, one day at a time one hour at a time, whatever whatever it is, that whatever chunk of time that you got to knock it down to. But you can't be resilient um, and a- adaptive next week. Um, you just can't. You know, you don't have next week yet. Uh, you've got the, the day, the hour, the minute that you're in. And uh, God is with you in that day, hour, or minute that you're in. Um, so, all right, Jeff, um, before we uh, lose you, um, we will let yeah. you handle the movie of the day. Uh, boom. Yes. Super excited for today's movie. Again, you got you guys picked these, but you're picking some of my favorites. So this one comes from 300. 
And I absolutely love this movie. I think I watched this in high school. I just dated myself. That's when it came out. I think I was like a freshman or a sophomore. Uh, incredible movie. So inspiring. Definitely a great thing to end on. And um, I think this is from what Gerard Butler's character, uh, Leonidas, which by the way, small known fact, I tried to name our first son Leonidas, but Alyssa said, hard no, hard no. You know? I don't so understand we went, why. We went with yeah. canon instead. So, but yeah, incredible movie and incredible movie line. So Marina, go ahead. There's no glory to be had now. Only retreat or surrender or death. Well, that's an easy choice for us, Arcadian. Spartans never retreat. Spartans never surrender. Go spread the word. Let every Greek assemble know the truth of this. Let each among them search his own soul. And while you're at it, search your own. Come on, so man. good. Wow. Come on. What a beast. That's inspiring. Search your own. Wow. That's right. Come on. <laughs> no retreat, no <laughs> surrender, baby. That's so good. We all need that armor, that's for sure. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Good. That's true. Only only some of you guys could uh could rock it the right way, but you know, no, no comments about myself yeah. here. So um uh look, um, we're gonna cut over to our friends in Nashville now. Uh Dan Hazeltine and Hannah. Great to have you with us. And Dan, the, the, the mic is now yours, friend. All right. Hi. Coming to you from Nashville. It's a gorgeous day today for us out here, and I hope it is for you. Today, we've got a, another great musical guest, uh, a good friend of mine. I first met Hannah at a burger up in the 12th South area of Nashville, where I had mistakenly thought she was part of another group. Uh, turns out she was part of a band with her sisters called Shell, uh, which is just their their first names. It's Sarah, Hannah, Eva, and Liza, and they had been making just incredible music. I think if you look if you look them up, they'll say that it's uh, art pop music, but it's really so much more than that. It's really incredible. And one of the the first songs that I heard uh, them perform was actually kind of this ethereal version of. Enter Sandman. Uh, it's just sort of like if Danny Elfman was working on the um, the Edward Scissorhands soundtrack and he thought, you know what, I really could use a Metallica song. Uh, this is what they might create. And uh, it was just really beautiful. They, they've worked with one of my heroes, a guy named Dave Stewart from the group The Arrhythmics. Dave is the, uh, the part of The Arrhythmics that isn't Annie Lennox. Um, but that's okay. We're not going to hold that against him. <laughs> but uh, Hannah's made some incredible music. We've gotten to work together over the years now. And uh, we we uh, worked together on a Christmas EP with Jars of Clay and, and Shell. And she does her own music, which kind of crosses a lot of different genres uh, from, you know, folk music to jazz to pop music. Uh, she's also done some composing for films. She's multi-talented, incredibly beautiful, wonderful person. So it's uh, my privilege to introduce you to Hannah Holbrook. Woohoo! Hi, Hannah. Hey, Dan, thank you for that intro. So glad to uh, have you on the show with us today. How are you holding up in all of this craziness? I'm doing really well. I'm kind of an introvert. I guess I'm an ambivert. When I'm touring with my sisters, I'm like, people, yay, this is great. But um, the introverted part of me has secretly been just like so happy to be home the past couple yeah. weeks. So yeah, I agree. I, it's from same for me as well. I can I can hold up in a corner anywhere. Uh, so it's great. So uh, what are, are have you found the season to be very creative for you at the moment? Is is this a creative time for you? I, I've seen that 
both you and Shell both have music kind of constantly feels like coming out and doing different things, but has this provided you some space to to be more creative or has it felt a little bit like a season where you've where you've just been kind of hanging on for dear life like a lot of us have been? I would say at first it hit me as a season of rest. Um, and I was, Psalm 23 has been on my mind a lot and I actually um, put it to music with, uh, with a good friend. Y'all, it has been crazy because we had the tornado and literally I was on tour in Colorado. I flew back the night of the tornado, like 10 minutes before it happened, was in the car as it was happening, had to crash on my friend's couch because it wasn't safe to be on the road. And then the next morning it took me two hours to get home because so many roads were closed. And shortly after that, one of my good friends moved in to the garage apartment attached to our house. And so since then she and I've been like kind of processing through things. And then we both start like doing the social distancing. So it's like, we have each other and my housemate, but it's just been kind of this thing of like, Oh wow, this, then that. Okay. So now we're, now we're here. Now we're home. And the first day that everything started getting canceled where I was like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to church this week. Oh, uh, life groups are all going to be done online. Oh, I probably shouldn't be teaching my piano students in their homes. (laughs) And like (laughs) everything went online. But the first day that everything got canceled, I just felt so much relief (laughs) because I think I had been burning the candle at both ends. And I was like, and I'm starting a podcast. Yeah. And I had been literally praying um, because I've done several interviews for it. And I was praying, God, I really just need like a retreat so that I can focus and get this edited. Like, careful what you pray for, (laughs) y'all. So, yeah. So it's your fault now. All right, everyone. It's not my fault. The first two days, I was like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sleep. And then um, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in what? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Like mm-hmm. I would just, but I've just been living in that and just recognizing, hey, my tour got canceled for April and May with my sisters. Yeah. Maybe June, we'll see. But I was like, God, if you don't want me on the road right now, what do you have instead? And that has been the best question because. Yeah, yeah. People have been reaching out and asking me for online lessons. Like my rent is covered for the next couple months because really? of a student who just out of the kindness of his heart last night decided to pay for a year's worth of lessons in advance. Yeah. So like out of the blue. Good. God is definitely providing and just being like, hey, spend this time with me. Um, so it has been a season of rest well and seasons of rest can often lead to more creative time and just a very fertile kind of season thanks so much hannah for being with us today it's been just a treat seeing you and uh knowing that you're safe and you're okay everybody look for her online yeah check her out i'm sure she's got some way that you can donate or provide a tip or something help her get through this season as much as we're all needing to get through this season so um let's all work together Thanks, Hannah. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And this is a version, uh, this is my arrangement of the doxology. And I'm releasing it um, April 10th. So you can follow me on Instagram to get updates about that.
Beautiful. 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 Oh, my goodness. Hannah, that was so good. magical, so good. mystical, transcendent. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I just like to channel, as we, we, we wrap up today, I'd like to channel the words that Hannah shared with us down the stretch run there. Uh, your recitation of the of Psalm 23 and, um, you know, the still waters and uh, green pastures is really, really touching. And, and yes, everybody out there, God has that for you. Whatever your experience is today, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, however hard it is, there are green pastures, still waters. There's a place where God wants to restore your soul, and he will restore your soul. Um, we're with you. We're thinking about you. We're praying for you. And uh, God bless you. Keep fighting the good fight, everybody. Until tomorrow, we look forward to seeing you then. Bye now. Signs of Life is produced by American Awakening, a campaign for the soul of America committed to slaying the giant of death and despair in this American moment. Signs of Life is made up of Jefferson Bethke, Dan Hazeltine, Josh Jacob, John Kingston, Joel Searby, Calvin Lee, Christian Palacios, Marina Pappas, Andy Peterson, and me, Marissa Prince. The show is produced from our headquarters in Lexington, Massachusetts, and you can learn a whole lot more about the movement by visiting our website, AmericanAwakening.us.